Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, July the 12th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and our regular Tuesday morning guest, Dr. J.B. Hickson. Uh, we're glad to have J.B. with us again this morning. Uh, I, I got the pleasure of listening to uh, uh, recently uh, his latest uh, I guess live stream event. Basically, it was live. It was live streamed, I believe. Uh, Christ in Prophecy interview. If any of you are familiar with David Reagan's program and Tim Moore, uh, Christ in Prophecy. Uh, it's on most cable packages. You can get it. And a great show. I've watched it for probably oh my goodness, twenty years, JB. And. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I actually got to take a tour of that facility and had lunch with David Reagan once upon a time and uh, shortly after I wrote my book. So uh, it really was a fun time of fellowship. He's a great man and what a great program. And you did a great interview there. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, now, I know we're going to talk about something different than, than what you talked about then. Uh, we're going to be talking about God's imminence, are we not? Yeah, so I'm going to call today's uh, program, What Does God Know and When Does He Know It? And uh, some of our listeners may be old enough to remember back during the Watergate hearings in uh, 1973, a young senator named Howard Baker Jr., who was a Republican senator from Tennessee, uh, actually uh, asked that phrase during the Watergate hearings. And what a lot of people don't know, because that phrase sort of became a very popular phrase whenever you're uh, dealing with investigations, you know, what does he know and when did he know it? But a lot of people forget that uh, Baker actually asked that question in an attempt to defend the president. And he had met with the president many, many times uh, in the lead up uh, to the hearings. And of course, over time, especially after the secret tapes came out from the White House, the White House tapes, um, Howard Baker recognized that uh, Nixon was guilty. And so he turned on him. But initially, when Howard Baker Jr. Uh, asked that question, what does the president know and, or what did the president know and when did he know it, uh, he was trying to defend him. So we're going to kind of borrow that phrase and okay. apply it to uh, our Lord, the creator of the universe. And many theologians have, have done that through the years. There have been books written with that similar title, you know, what does God know and when does he know it? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it all kind of relates to this idea of eminence. Now, I want to clarify uh, for our listeners, that the term eminence is one of those uh, words that's a homonym, meaning there are other words that sound just like it, but they're all spelled slightly differently. And so through the years, as I've been uh, teaching in academics for many years, and then just in coming across other writings or getting emails from people asking about eminence, uh, I'll find it's almost always misspelled. So I want to sort of set the record straight here and I know in an audio podcast it's kind of hard to to deal with spelling but we're dealing with the term eminence i-m-m-i-n-e-n-c-e eminence and that's a doctrine that's taught in scripture as it relates to the rapture the doctrine of eminency which means at any moment or at any time and uh, that's not what we're talking about today Uh, another word that sounds just like it that we're not talking about today is the word eminence, like high rank or regard, 
uh, like mm -hmm. his eminency. Sometimes people refer to uh, like the Pope or someone like that, which in, is in all uh, things, Christ should have preeminence. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a biblical term, too. Um, and so eminence, that word is spelled E-M-I-N-E-N-C-E. And that's not what our focus today is either. But instead, we're going to focus on immanence, I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E, I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E. And that means uh, inherent presence. It means that, you know, it speaks of God, God's uh, reachability. God is with us um, uh, as opposed to God's transcendence. You know, God, God is out there. And that's the way a lot of people think about God, I'm afraid, is they think of him as yeah. somewhere out there, untouchable, distant, um, yeah. pulling the strings from from heaven and and we we can't we have no control and and he's got all of it and he's just out there doing that yeah and and the bible teaches you know transcendence and eminence it teaches yes that yes. god is out there he is all powerful he is just and um and apart from christ he is untouchable we have we are yeah. separated from a holy god yes. and so for an unbeliever all they can focus on is God's transcendence. Mm -hmm. um, but once by faith you come to know Christ, then that wall of separation is removed. Mm -hmm. We have un, uh, unmitigated access uh, to God. We can approach the throne of God boldly and confidently, and we, we have an intimate relationship with him. And so now we, are, you know, we understand his eminence, uh, that he is here. And so really... You know, um, the takeaway, and I don't often start with the takeaway, usually we save that for the end, but essentially, you know, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and that is, I want you to know that God is here, uh, that God yeah. is with us, that yeah. he is reachable because of, uh, you know, he came, he, he left the realm of eternity, came mm -hmm. down to the realm of time, space, and matter, put on human flesh in the form of his eternal son and our savior, Jesus Christ at the incarnation. And he experienced everything that we experienced. He, he, right. he was tempted in all ways, just as we are, and yet without sin. And then he went as a lamb to the slaughter, uh, paid our price for sin on the cross, defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead. And today he intercedes for us at the right hand of God. And uh, he has created this new and living way uh, for us. We don't have to go to God through sacrifices and rituals and all, you know, all of those types of things. We can stop anywhere we are. Right. Right. You know, I'm, I'm on the road uh, uh, this week headed to some speaking engagements in the Pacific Northwest. And as we talked about before we started today's program, Curtis, it's just amazing to me that that wherever we are in this day and age, we, we as long as we have electricity and Internet, we can connect and we can read yeah. and, and I can post and upload podcasts and so can you and, yeah. and that's a, a cr incredible blessing but it pales in comparison uh, to the blessing of God that we can wherever we are without a computer without electricity without right. anything we can we can talk to the almighty creator of the universe and uh, share yes. our burdens and hurts and heartaches with him and share our joys we can uh, intercede for others. We can bring our supplications to him and, uh, mm -hmm. and give him praise. And so that's really what separates, uh, Curtis, uh, the Christian religion 
the one true religion from every other man-made religion on earth. Christianity, of course, is not a man-made religion. God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He spoke the world into existence. And, uh, and, and, and then, of course, we rebelled against him, and God himself redeemed mankind. He, he reached down and got us out of our own predicament. Um, whereas every other religion um, postdates uh, God, if you want to put it that way, God is eternal, so he, he, you can't really speak of God in terms of time, but um, every other religion is man-made, and it, it does not have access. You know, you have to go uh, through Muhammad to get to Allah. You have to go right. through statues to get to Buddha. You have right. to go, you know, through other means, through the, the, the sacraments to get to God in Catholicism or through the priest, you know, and so, but, but God says, here I am. Uh, here I am, I'm, I'm approachable, and I am with you. And so what we're going to be talking about today um, really, I think, correlates well with this idea of God's imminence, uh, and that is, what does God know, and when does he know it? Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of theologians and Bible scholars, and you know, having spent many years in academics, I, I have studied a lot of these uh, authors and books, but a lot of them have picked up on this phrase, what does God know and what does he know it? Again, kind of borrowing from uh, pop culture there with the Watergate hearings in the 70s. Um, and so they've written books about it and talked about it. And there's a lot of false teaching out there. Uh, you know, of course, uh, the open theism uh, heresy, uh, which came about, uh, let me see if I can pinpoint it. It's probably in the last two or three decades, uh, give or take. Um, which, of course, was a, one of the greatest attacks on orthodoxy uh, in, in church history, and that is the false notion that God can only know what's knowable, and since the future hasn't happened yet, God doesn't know the future, and so God is waiting to take his cue from us, and then, then he decides what he's going to do next, and it's really a, a full direct assault on God's sovereignty. It's called open theism or uh, the open view of God. And, uh, and so they would answer the question, what does God know and when does he know it is they would say, well, he doesn't know everything and he can only know what's knowable. Um, I've written about that elsewhere, so I won't take the time to, uh, to do a full uh, rebuttal of that, of that false view. But we believe, and I want to be very clear right up front, that God in his self-revelation to us, the Bible, tells us he knows all things. So, you know, some, I mentioned, I think it was uh, Sunday when I was promoting this podcast, because uh, we, had, by that time, by Sunday, we already had, you and I had talked and you had said, yeah, let's, let's do this. Um, uh, I told my folks at Plum Creek Chapel there in Sedalia, Colorado, I said, you know, you might think that's going to make for a short podcast. What does God know? And, and when does he know it? Well, he knows everything. Thanks for joining us. You know, it's, <laughs> right. you're dismissed, you know, but yeah. uh, but no, I think what's interesting is when you look at the word of God is, yes, of course, he knows everything. That's that's the biblical doctrine of his omniscience, omniscience yes. all and knowledge, omniscience. So he, he knows everything, uh, just like he is omnipresent. He is everywhere present uh, and omnipotent. He is all powerful. But mm-hmm. what's interesting is that the Bible not only tells us that he knows everything, but then it zeroes in in some key verses in the Old and New Testament alike that spell out some specific things that mm-hmm. he knows. And it begs the question, why? I mean, why the redundancy? Isn't it enough uh, 
for God's word to tell us, for example, in Proverbs 15, verse 3, that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. That's right. Watch on the evil and the good. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that settle the matter? He knows. I would think so. And of course it does. But then, you know, God's word is given to us, his, his written word, as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's given to us, um, as Psalm 119 says, repeatedly to help us um, navigate through this life successfully. Uh, it's quick and powerful uh, and sharper than a two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12 tells us. And, and God, God's word is given to us to nourish our souls and to encourage us. So it seems to me that in, in, in several other places, and we're going to talk about some of these verses this morning, God goes beyond the, the broad sweeping statement of I know everything and begins to tell us some other things that he knows uh, so that we can be reminded of that and take special comfort in these unique uh, other ways that, that God, other things that God knows about us. So these are some things that, that God knows that should really inspire awe and worship and praise of him um, you know it's one thing to say god knows everything but i think we can relate to it even more intimately when we when we break it down into some detail so yes. that's that's kind of where we're headed today any any opening thoughts before we dive in uh, well it, it this does the subject matter does kind of uh, remind me of uh, my my time in Desert Storm uh, in Iraq. Uh, I had some other soldiers in my unit, the same tent with me, and and one of them happened to be a Muslim, and uh, he, you know he would break out his Quran uh, very openly, and I you know I had my Bible, and we would have some discussions. And he did ask me one time. He said, "Look," he said, "This is my religion." You have yours, I have mine. What makes yours any different from any other religion? And that's when I got to tell him, well, it's the only religion that offers a very personal savior. And he just looked at me dumbfounded. And he said, it does? I said, yeah. He goes, I've read the Bible. I don't know where. And I got to show him some passages. And I got a lot of questions. When we got back to Germany, I got a lot of questions from that young fella. And uh, it was actually a wonderful time of witness. I, I, I enjoyed doing that. Amen. I mean, that, that really says it well, that it's a, we serve a personal God. And yes. uh, you know, I never saw Allah step up to the plate on the hill outside Jerusalem called Golgotha and no. lay down on the, the post and allow his wrists and feet to be nailed to the cross or side to be pierced with a sword or his head to be crowned with thorns. He right. didn't pay the penalty for that young soldier's uh, sins, but Jesus did. You can't get yeah. more powerful than that. You know, yes. you know, Jesus laid down his life for us and he gave it willingly, you know, and by the way, I don't say it nearly enough, but thank you for your service, uh, Curtis. And, uh, oh, you know, my, my honor. We, we live in a day where it's a different world today, a different military today. And I've certainly gone on record many times in writing and in conference messages with some of the problems with our government, but, you know, uh, through the years, men and women have, have made the, the greatest sacrifice to step up and serve and, and protect our freedoms. And it always touches me when I meet one. In fact, just this morning, just a few minutes before I came back up to my hotel room here to, to log in and join you for this podcast, I was having breakfast in the lobby at this uh, hotel here in, uh, we're somewhere in Wyoming. 
And uh, there was a man, as I was eating my breakfast across the way, uh, and uh, he, I heard him ask the server, do you have a military discount? And she said, well, I don't know, let me check. And, and she came back and I kept waiting saying, boy, I hope she thanks this man for her service, an elderly gentleman. Yeah. And um, she never really did, but she said, yes, sir, we do have a military discount. He said, okay, well, I served in the military. And, and so he got out his credit card and put it in that little folder that the servers bring you, you know, with your check in it. Yeah. And I, as she was walking away, I kind of got her attention and I, I, I wanted to do that anyway, because I, I needed to get back up here for this podcast. I wanted to catch her while I could to say, hey, yeah. my yeah. check too. But when she came over, I just felt the Lord tell me, you know, you need to p- pick up that man's check. So I said, I'd like to pay for that man's check too and well, then bless you walk out god bless so i heard her come back and you know she gave him his check and she and she, he had she had gave him his money back or his card back and said your check's paid for and he said oh really you know well thank you and and so then when i walked out i just said sir thank you for your service and and he said yeah. thank you very much so well, god um, bless you, know, you for that jb just little things that thank you that we can do to remind uh, people that you know that we they are appreciated because they don't get much thanks uh no <laughs> no no uh, they don't especially in the vietnam era soldiers yeah oh no yeah. for sure yeah so so yeah so that's great so you know god is a personal god but there are some things yes. that god knows and i'd just like to mention a few of these things this morning from god's okay. word and, and then kind of elaborate on what that really what the significance of that and what it really means to us in terms of getting to know god better so we already talked about obviously from the general perspective god knows everything the eyes of the lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good proverbs 15 3 but then we also see that god knows the the really the the size and the details and the enormous scope of the universe Uh, remember what psalm 147 uh, verse 4 this anonymous psalmist said God counts the number of the stars and calls them by name. Yeah. I mean, imagine that, Curtis. You know, if you well, up, uh, you know, we're headed through Montana on our way up to Idaho today, and we'll be there in the daylight. But I've been through Montana and the big sky at night, and I've even pulled off the side of the road one time. I was so yeah. in awe of the oh, stars yeah. across Montana, and and to think, and that's just the ones we can yeah. see. And to right. think that God knows uh, and counts the num- the very number of the stars and calls them by name. By name. I mean, that's an amazing, uh, you know, tribute to God's omniscience and, and again, a detailed explanation of his omniscience. Uh, sorry, we've got a car alarm going off here. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> Uh-oh. If you can't hear it, then I just blew it by calling attention to it. But anyway, <laughs> I can tell you what, I could hear it and it's, it's, it's hard to concentrate. But anyway, they finally got it turned off. So, um, but then uh, it's not only the stars in the sky, but remember what Jesus said in Matthew 10, uh, as he was uh, talking here about, uh, uh, you know, discipleship and yes. uh, fear. And he says, uh, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who was able to destroy both soul and body in hell, speaking to God's omnipotence and power. But then he says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Right. Now think about the number of just sparrows, you know, that's, that's uh, the word that's used there um, across the globe. 
not counting every other kind of bird and every other kind of animal, and yet, and yet right. Jesus said not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Right. That's a pretty powerful amount of knowledge. And then Jesus goes on yeah. to say in the very next verse, but the very hairs of your head yeah. are all numbered. Right. You know, now that that's not much much of a big problem for, for God with you, Curtis. But uh, for thank some you people, for pointing that out, JB. I appreciate that. <laughs> but for some people, I mean, that's that's quite a task, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and God and and you think about seven point five billion people on the earth, and God right. knows the very hairs on the head of everyone. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's just an amazing, amazing thing. And then, uh, you know, I love this one. This is King David in Psalm 139. And he said, uh, well, I'll start out in verse one. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And, you know, knowledge, I guess we should have probably clarified a little bit at the beginning about the biblical concept of knowledge. There's two senses in which the word knowledge is known. One is just more of a rudimentary uh, cognition knowledge, but the other is a more a deeper, more intimate knowledge. In the Greek, they're distinguished by the Greek word gnosis. Um, and, uh, G in, in English lettering, it would be G-N-O-S-I-S, -S, where we get the word Gnosticism and Gnostics. Um, so just gnosis is just general knowledge, but epignosis with the prefix is a fuller, deeper, uh, intimate knowledge. And that's in, in the Greek culture. And we see both words used in the New Testament. But of course, here in Psalm 139, we're dealing with the Hebrew. And, it, and David says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And so in the theologically, Old and New Testament alike, throughout God's word, we see a, a generic knowledge and we see a more positional knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. So a good example would be uh, if you have if you've trusted in Christ and him alone for salvation, if you've been born again by faith, then you might often say, well, I know the Lord. Or someone might say, do you know the Lord? Or when did you come to know the Lord? Or how long have you known the Lord? And we use the word know in that sense to mean we have a positional relationship with God through his son. Um, yes. We've been saved eternally. We've been born again by faith. But the word know is also used of, of a deeper knowledge, a closeness, the kind of closeness that Jesus talked about in the right. upper room. And, uh, and, and we see this used with uh, Jesus when he was talking to Philip. And he said at one point, mm -hmm. I've been with you all this time and you have not known me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so I think it was Philip. And uh, anyway, uh, yes. was Jesus accusing him of not being a believer? Of course not. Uh, he knew the Lord. But Jesus said, you don't know me, you know, more deeply and, and, and intimately as you should. Um, mm. And uh, so we need to kind of differentiate between those two types of knowledge. God knows us intimately and positionally when we come to him by faith. But he also knows us very deeply, uh, every detail about us. And that's what David's referring to here. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And now listen to this next verse. You know my sitting down and my rising up. Now, that's a figure of speech in Hebrew called a merism, that we, you know, when you use two opposite ends of, a, of, a, of something to constitute everything in between. So two opposites, like uh, I searched night and day, which means I searched you know, all day, 
nonstop. I'm, I'm I sitting down and my rising up, you know, everything about me. Right. Sure. Um, and then he says, and you understand my thoughts afar off. You understand my thought afar off. So God knows our very thoughts. And that's kind of scary when you think about it. It is. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, uh, it really is. And uh, another, uh, psalm uh, says something similar in psalm 44 this is a psalm of the sons of korah uh, and it says you know if we had forgotten the name of our god or stretched out our hands to a foreign god would not god search this out this is psalm 44 verse 21 would not god search this out for he knows the secrets of the heart wow now that's more than just a sort of convicting indictment when we have uh, sinful thoughts, uh, lust, anger, jealousy, uh, mm -hmm. certainly it's true that God knows that. But I want you to also think about it from a slightly different perspective. When the psalmist here says God knows the secrets of the heart, you know, what are you most burdened about? Uh, what are your deepest fears? What is it that keeps you awake at night? What is it that you try to push out of your mind so that it doesn't paralyze you with anxiety and fear god knows those things too he knows every yeah. thought in our mind and th that's comforting because we don't have you know when you're trying to communicate with other people you know say your spouse or a friend or even your children is sometimes it can be hard to really articulate what your feelings are and what mm -hmm. How, how, what what's really bothering you at that moment what's got you scared what's got you sad you know mm -hmm. you know sometimes you know people just get sad you know anybody that's been married knows that you know sometimes you might talk to your wife and she's crying and you say you know what's wrong honey and, and they really can't articulate it and and it's not mm -hmm. because they're being difficult they just really can't you know right and maybe right. that way too i know i have and so What's comforting is in those moments, um, you know, God knows our thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, Romans 8, Paul says that you know, even when we don't even know how to pray, the yeah. Spirit of God prays for us That's right. you know, uh, and intercedes for us. So yeah. I just, I love that, you know, Psalm 139, Psalm 44, and there are other places too, but it reminds us that God knows, you know, our, our, our thoughts. Um, and then what about this one? Uh, going back to Psalm 139, another, you know, Psalm 139 is a rich well that we can draw from. Uh, but David says, for there is not a word on my tongue, Psalm 139 verse 4, there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. That, as, a, as a preacher, and I, I'm sure Pastor Dick can appreciate this, uh, that's comforting to know, because sometimes I go back and listen to my uh, messages um and i'll find almost every time i'll find a, 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 an occasion where i misspoke where i was talking so fast and i quoted the wrong verse or you know the reference or or i just missed you too huh <laughs> yeah me too yeah, <laughs> yeah I, i'll never forget the time i think i've mentioned this before but on a radio uh, uh show i was doing one time i referred to my five kids well we have six kids so I don't know where that came from. It just, I was talking so fast and just said the wrong word. And of course my kids, 
when they heard about it later, let me have it. They all want to know which one would I. Which one? Which one were you leaving on, Pop? Yeah. <laughs> I actually got some mileage out of that. I said, "Well, you better share." But <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, you know, we our yeah. words sometimes we get tongue tied. We we uh, we say the wrong thing innocently, uh, and of course, uh, sometimes we we also say things that reflect the attitude of our heart out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks and so but god knows our words um a word on my tongue but behold O lord you know it all together yeah so it's just very very comforting and if we go back to the old testament and speaking of god's uh eminence and him being there being with us uh many of our listeners will recall the occasion of moses uh, interfacing with God at the burning bush in Exodus yeah. 3. And um, let's just let's just read that that short passage uh, for some context in, in Genesis or Exodus 3 verse 1. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock back to the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold the bush was burning with fire but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals. Yeah. Take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Holy ground, yeah. And moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And now here's the key verse, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and yeah. have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Yes. I know their sorrows. So that's another thing that God knows is our sorrows. Um, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of hurting people in this world. I mean, there is, yes, you know, I, I, I see them. I come across them all the time. Every conference I speak at and in my own church at Plum Creek Chapel, there are people that will come up with a, a sad countenance or tears in their eyes. And, and, you know, we have people that lose loved ones. We had another death in the church this weekend. And, you know, it, that, that there's our heart overflows with sorrow sometimes. Yes. And, and guess what? God knows our sorrows. Amen. You know, uh, that's why Jeremiah the prophet said, weeping may endure uh, for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning, yes. You know, we, we need to remember that um, when it feels like nobody knows and nobody cares, mm -hmm. God knows. Amen. Man, that is, that's got to be a comforting. You can't say that of a statue. You can't say that of a false mythical you know, God, uh, right. can't say that of a dead God, I mean, right. dead corpses don't know anything. They're dead, <laughs> but God knows and God knows our sorrows, which is so comforting. Um, and, you know, we, we, we do uh, weep sometimes and, and really have trouble, uh, you know, e even coping, you know, I, I think of, uh, you know, the, the, the Psalm 13, when David talked about how alone that he felt. Oh yeah. And he felt like God was not there. God was sleeping. And yeah. so 
you yeah. know, I understand that, that we've got to go from the theology uh, to the practical and simply, sure. you know, uh, knowing um, and comprehending the realities of God's ever presence, his imminence in our life. Right. Thing. But, you know, when we face these sorrowful heartache times, these tragedies and difficulties yeah. in life, we've got to hang on to that hope. Amen. Yeah. We've got to be able to say, like David uh, in Psalm 27, one of my favorite uh, passages, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Amen. Yeah. Shall I be afraid? You ever feel like you just have no strength? I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, depression will do that to you. You just can't. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to pick up your foot and take the next step. Yeah. That's when God uh, comes, and that's when He's when His presence is so powerful. Um, going on in that same Psalm, Psalm twenty-seven, David says, "For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion, in the secret place of His tabernacle He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock." Yeah. It goes on, "When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me." Yeah. I mean, what a great passage. Um, but the part that really, I think, just uh, thrills my heart, and I, I have this written on a little card that I would carry with me uh, uh, when I was going through a rough time one time, and, and, I, and I would say it repeatedly, you know, and it, this is the last two verses of Psalm 27, where David says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Land of the living, yeah. Believe on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Yeah. Wait and say on the Lord. So, yeah. you know, God knows our sorrows, folks, and, and I don't mean that to sound trite. You know, sometimes some of the most profound theological truths in Scripture get overlooked or set aside because they're, they're so familiar, and familiarity kind of makes them sound trite. But, you know, I don't think it's trite at all to remind people that God knows your sorrows. And uh, you can, um, he will bear uh, your burdens. Um, and then on a more practical level, if we go to the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that great discussion that Jesus has about mm-hmm. worry. And he says, right. you know, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Cubit's about 18 <laughs> inches. Uh, you know, uh, how, in other words, you're not worrying is not going to make you taller. It might make you shorter, but it's not going to make Good. you. <laughs> uh, so why do you worry about clothing? And then he goes on, consider the lilies of the field, uh, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. That's right. And, and then Jesus makes the connection. So if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. In other words, the grass is nothing compared to God's yeah. own you know, human beings that are created in his image, how much more will he not, will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And then he says, uh, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. And then here's the key phrase for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Right. So there we have another thing that God knows, you know, he knows our needs. Again, God knows everything. But why is it that at certain places in Scripture, God 
spells out some specific things that he wants to remind us that God knows. Right. And one of these is what we need. Um, so, you know, that's so helpful to remember because, I mean, every one of us faces times when, you know, we're struggling. We need something. We need yeah. money, you know, and, and not by works ministries. You know, we're a faith-based ministry, which just means we stepped out on faith 23 years ago when we started this ministry. And, and uh, you know, the Lord is uh, blessed and we just trust him day by day. And, you know, we've, I've been blessed in ministry to have other doors open. There were many times when I was either teaching in academia or pastoring as I'm doing now at Plum Creek Chapel or working as consultant for, you know, Bible, a software company for nine years or uh, doing adjunct work, uh, teaching classes of so the Lord. Always, we've never begged bread. The Lord's always provided for us. But, you know, fundamentally, our primary income comes from trusting the Lord. And there are yeah. some, we have donors. Sometimes we, we lose donors uh, for different reasons. You know, mm -hmm. I've never, ever made, you know, finances the driving factor in our ministry or in our resources. I mentioned almost all the time when I'm speaking, uh, when I promote our books or DVDs, you know, look, we don't, if, if money's an issue, we, we just want to get the message out. If you need uh, this book and, and, and right now things are tight, we'd like to give it to you as our gift. And I can't tell you how many of the new books, Spirit of the Antichrist, we've given away. I gave 10 copies away just recently to yeah. someone who had purchased a copy and they just came to me in, in tears and said, man, this just really opened my eyes to so many things. And I want to share it with my family. And they said, man, I wish I could afford to buy, you know, all of my brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles, a copy of this book. I just can't afford it. And then the Lord just quickened my spirit right then and said, give them 10 copies. And we, Do it. Yeah. you know, so my point is, you know, that I, even though I'm, I'm painting a positive picture right now of my attitude, I got to tell you, there are many times through 30 years of marriage and 32 years of ministry where when finances ebb and flow, I get stressed out and I begin to worry in, in direct disobedience to what Jesus says here in Matthew 6. Yeah. And I begin to say, oh man, we, you know, we lost this donor or we, you know, we didn't, didn't, you know, when we spoke at this conference, we didn't, you know, get the, quite the love offering we were hoping for. And I, you know, I, was, I really needed this much to pay this bill. And Lord, what are you going to do? And, but, you know, here it is right here, plain as day. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I wonder if God, when we, when we say those things or worry like that, if God is up there just frustrated as all get out saying, why are you telling me things I already know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, right. Like, it's like when my kids get frustrated at me for telling the same jokes all the time. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, God's like, I already know these things. Yeah. You know, just rest oh, yeah. in my promise. Don't worry about it. Rest mm -hmm. in my promise. So, you know, that's again, I think that's a, a comforting, comforting thing. So just to review, um, yeah, obviously God knows all things, but what else does he know? Well, he knows the size and the scope of the universe. He knows every detail about animal, all of his creation in the animal realm, yeah. our thoughts, he knows our words, he knows our sorrows, he knows yeah. our needs. Um, he also knows, look, look at this in Psalm 103, uh, another Psalm of David. He says, uh, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. God, yeah. did you know that God knows our frailties? 
and, and the older we get, yeah. the more there is to know. Amen. Uh, Amen. The frail we become. And, um, you know, God made us. He breathed yeah. life into us yeah. at creation uh, in the garden. Who could know us better? What's that? Who could know us better? Yeah, exactly. Who could know us better? And, and, and you know, I'm talking now about the physicality, but, yeah. you know, we, we struggle. You know, our knees creak, our back aches, our joints, you know, are uh, in pain, and we have headaches, <laughs> and God knows all of that. Yeah. Those are frailties. That's not news to him. Um, I mean, he, he's just uh, an amazing, uh, amazing God. I, I love this general verse, and this one, again, is, speaks more to God's omniscience in general, that he knows all, uh, all things. But uh, I always think about this verse in the context of God's sovereignty. But in Acts chapter 15, if, to put it in context, if you remember, the year was about 50 AD, so the church was about 17 years old, and they were the church, the gospel had begun to spread westward. Uh, Paul and Barnabas had already taken the first missionary journey, and the early church was beginning to really struggle with making sense of Jew and Gentile in one body and all of those things. So they held a conference in Jerusalem called the Jerusalem Council, in which they kind of testified and you know kind of made some some rulings uh, with reference to you know, the Jewish customs, does a person have to be circumcised, for example, to really get to heaven? And do they have to keep the Jewish law? So that was the context. And, you know, in this uh, uh, context, we see uh, verse 18, uh, known to God from eternity are all his works. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so, one of Pastor Dick's favorite verses. Oh, boy, is it ever. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's an awesome verse. It really is. And and it speaks to me, and I'd love to hear Pastor Dick's thoughts on it, but it speaks to me of God, of the created realm of time, space, and matter. In other words, God knows the past, the present, and the future. Yeah. Um, you know, known to God from eternity are all his works that, you know, nothing ever surprises God. Um, right. As I've often said, has it ever dawned on you that nothing ever dawns on God? You know, yeah. he never looks down from heaven and says, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, what? But what a surprise. Yeah. No, he gets it. He, he understands. He knows the past, the present, and the future. I mean, what do you think, Pastor Dick? What do you think, Pastor Dick? What do I think? Yeah. I, not as good as God, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't you know. And, and it, it's such a, you know what, JB, you, you're right, and it, it it, it sometimes is a very difficult concept for people under to understand that God can see the He knows the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. And I've I've given a personal illustration every now and then to, to help people understand God's He's working on a in a different dimensional level than we are. Um, we we basically know of four of them that we can operate in. Uh, there's more than ten. Uh, and he operates in all of them. Uh, if we're standing at street level watching a parade come down, we, we can we're, we have one vantage point. We can see the beginning of the parade, but we have to wait to see what's in the middle of the parade. Uh, but then we can't see what was what was first. The, the, the front of the parade's gone. 
Yeah. And then we have to wait for the end of the parade. And, and we, that, we lose sight of all the rest of the parade. All we can see is the back. And that's because we're street level. God is, he's on top of the skyscraper watching the whole parade. And he can see it from beginning to end. He knows who's in it. He knows what instruments are in it. He knows how far they're going to go. Yeah, that's kind of a, a simple illustration, but it might help people to understand. Yeah. That's yeah. You yeah. know everything. Yep. And, and I, I, I like, I the, you know, when you say the present tense on yeah. that, God knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the, the uh, past perfect tense, God knew mm -hmm. is important. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, God knew and continues to know and always will know, you know. Yes. But yeah, that statement, known to God from eternity are all his works, that's James, the Lord's brother, is speaking at the at that right. before the yep. Jerusalem Council. And he's, of course, testifying to the fact that, you know, this concept of Gentiles becoming saved by faith, uh, apart from the law, is not, you know, something that uh, caught God off guard. This has been part of God's plan all along, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I like, uh, you know, I like that illustration of the parade. The one I've often used is, you know, of a football game. When you're watching a, a football game, the Dallas Cowboys, of course, because why would you watch any other football team? Uh, <laughs> on, TV, on TV, they show you the line of scrimmage. They kind of show you, you know, the quarterback and the guy carrying the ball and running. And it's, you're getting just a certain perspective. But every now and then they'll pan out to the blimp. And the view right. from the blimp shows the whole stadium and both end zones and all the little yeah. tiny players way down there on the field. And, yeah. And, you know, you, it, you're exactly right. It's uh, we need to remember that we serve an omniscient God. That's who right. Knows the past, the present and, uh, you know, the future. Um, another thing that I think speaking of, of this uh, is, you know, God knows what might or could have been. Uh, remember in uh, Matthew 11, it's also in Luke's uh, um, account, Luke, Luke gives an account of the same experience. Um, uh, Jesus says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. That's quite, a, quite an indictment against Chorazin really? and Bethsaida. But I say to you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works, works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Yeah. And, you know, God knows what might or could have been. That's and that's right. hard. Again, when we try to reconcile God's sovereignty and God's free will, that's beyond man's comprehension. As Paul says in Romans 11, who can understand his judgments and his ways are past finding out. I talked about that extensively last Wednesday in our uh, midweek series on Calvinism. And um, so but here's another example of that, that God, who knows the past, present, future, also knows what might or could have been. That's um, right. Yeah. By the way, while I'm thinking about it, uh, because we're on the road traveling, we will not be uh, having our Calvinism series the next two Wednesdays, uh, the 13th and the 20th. So no live stream. Uh, but uh, we will resume that series on July 27th. In the meantime, uh, Watch for an email from Not By Works. If you've not signed up for the Not By Works email list, please do so. That's a great way to stay in touch with all of 
that the Lord's doing in our ministry. And when we have new uh, content, new videos or podcasts or things like that, we'll often notify you by email, but we also notify you of live streams when I'm on the road. And so we are going to be live streaming tomorrow night uh, from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, and I'll be sending out an email tomorrow with the details about that. So uh, just a heads up that no, no regular Plum Creek Chapel live stream uh, like we normally have on Wednesday nights for the next two Wednesdays. But uh, I want to close out with one more really comforting passage. And again, anybody can do this. Just do a, a word keyword search on your computer Bible software for no, and, and then put in other keywords like God or Lord or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, you, you'll come up with a lot of these. But John 10 is just a, just a, you know, the Good Shepherd passage, just a phenomenal passage of Jesus speaking intimately uh, uh, to the disciples. And, and you know, he, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls them his own sheep by name and leads them out. But if, yeah. you, if you go down to verse 14, listen to this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Yeah. I know my sheep. So yeah. the Lord knows us. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he knows everything about us. Um, uh, Paul, in the last letter that he wrote, maybe he had Jesus' words in John 10 in mind, when he said, nevertheless, the solid foundation of the God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Yes. <laughs> the Lord knows those who are his. So um, we know the Lord by faith. And if you've not trusted in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation, then today is the day of salvation. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, and you need to recognize your sin and your need for a savior and come to Christ today and say, I, I, you know, recognize that you're the only one that can pay my penalty for sin. And I'm trusting in you today to forgive my sin and give me the gift of eternal life. So we know the Lord, if you've trusted in Christ, but let's never forget that the Lord knows us. Yes. And, uh, you know, the best analogy that we can think of, and I know not everybody has children, but if you have children, you know, the feeling that you have of, of, you know, worrying for your children, and I know we shouldn't worry, but thinking about your children and hurting for your children, you know, yeah. you and I were on our drive up yesterday, we had about nine or 10 hours in the car and to get to this hotel and and we were reflecting on our journey and you know how blessed we feel to be able to share the word of god and uh, you know across the country and we were just kind of thinking back through certain life experiences and and you know we have six kids i think our listeners know and 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 so you know we we there have been times of great joy and times of great sorrow you know injuries and what whatnot and so um you know we we and, and wendy was kind of sharing what made me think of this is that wendy was kind of sharing you know as only a mother can the certain things that she notices in the kids and you know of course as a man and as a father a lot of times i'm oblivious to those things and and I, it just struck me as we were talking that boy you know she really knows these kids better than i do yeah <laughs> she, knows them, she knows things about them that i never think about and Right. You know, I know that's a weak analogy because God is so much bigger than all of that. It's bigger than human relationships, but he knows us. 
Uh, oh, yeah. He knows our greatest joys and our deepest hurts. And yeah. so, yes, he does. what does God know and when does he know it? Well, he knows everything, but he also reminds us of certain things that he knows about us that should bring us great comfort and joy. Things like our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our sorrows, our needs, you know, uh, our, our, our very presence, uh, yes. our frailties, all of these things. So, so hopefully that's encouraging to our listeners. We're so grateful uh, to, to have the chance each week to, to be on Christian Underground News Network and just reflect on the Word of God or on current events or whatever the Lord puts on our heart. But uh, pray for us this uh, week. We'll be, uh, as I mentioned, tomorrow night in Coeur d'Alene at uh, Candlelight Fellowship. On Sunday, we'll be at Spokane Bible Church in Spokane, uh, uh, Washington. Uh, I'm actually going to be speaking twice there, uh, the Sunday school hour and the worship hour. And uh, so, yeah, pray for safe travels and pray that the gospel will go forth. Consider it done, sir. Consider it done. And uh, thank you for the reminder that that we do have a personal Savior. And, you know, this personal Savior, even before he was made flesh and dwelt among us, uh, you remember when the angel appeared to Joseph and said, hey, don't worry about this. He said, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. You know, it, it's going to be okay. She's been, she's, yeah, she will conceive of the Holy Ghost. She'll have a son. And you'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was telling us even before he got here, I'm with you. How could that happen? Because God knew he was going to send his son. Amen. God Amen. knew that he would have to send his son to save us. Yeah. And he was letting us know, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you from heaven. I'm with you on earth. I'm with you everywhere. Amen. So thank Amen. you for that reminder, JB. That, that was very uplifting and encouraging. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right. And I want to remind our listeners that uh, we will have more segments coming up this Saturday morning with Pastor Dick. And then again, uh, Saturday night with Lucas DeRemus. Uh, Lord willing, those things will go off without a hitch and we'll get some more great Bible teaching such as you've heard uh, this morning from Dr. J.B. Hickson. J.B., thank you once again for being with us here on the Christian Underground News Network. Uh, we, uh, we are mightily blessed by having you as a part of the team. And uh, we, we hope that we can continue this type of ministering together for, uh, well, until Jesus comes back. Yeah. All right, brother, you have a, a blessed week. Listeners, have a blessed uh, week, and we'll see you again Saturday morning. Uh, and we look forward to it. Until then, this is the Christian Underground News Network signing off. May God bless and keep you.